I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. There should be an app where you can write all of those horrible things you really <laughs> and want it converts to say. It too. Thank you very much. <laughs> D-I-V-O-R-C-E-P-A-R-T-Y. My son did last night. He put the stuff in my hair so you can't see my bald spots. We went to oh, like the spray. Yeah, they're doing uh, amazing things for their old dad. <laughs> they're gonna, the yep, they're gonna keep us young. Um, Tom, this is Chantal. Ch- Chantal. 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 It's Chantal. My mom is French Canadian, so it's Chantal. I- but you can call me anything. You can call me Show and Tell. You can call me Chantal. You can call me Chantal. And where are you? Are you in Canada? I'm in Vancouver, you- Canada. Yeah. Oh my gosh, you're our first international guest. Very true. <gasps> That's you exciting. Chantel is how we would say it in Iowa, no matter how you were supposed to. <laughs> and you know what? That's what I'm used to. Yeah, mm-hmm. whatever, whatever it takes. I got sucked exactly. into that show, Search Party, and it was Chantal was the name of one of the characters. And now you can't get it out of your mind. Now right? I can't get Chantal out of my mind. Yeah. What's Search Party? What is Search Party? Oh, it's so good. It was on uh, what well, was HBO Max, but now it's Max. And it's uh, it's kind of like a comedy, dramedy mystery. It's like Nancy Drew for nitwits. <laughs> Ooh. Okay. Okay. Um, well, Chantel, do you, watch, uh, uh, document- do you watch Chantel, do you watch these documentaries about cults? That's what uh, Monica and I've been doing in our spare time. And, uh, you know uh, what? I love that kind of stuff because it really deals a lot with what I deal with, actually, with it, which is the sociopathic, narcissistic personality, right? So I'm fascinated by that kind of mind. In fact, when my kids graduate, my son is 15. 
when both of my kids are university, I'm going back to university to become a psychologist because it's so fascinating. And your son is 15 and going to college? <laughs> not yet. Not yet. He still has like another two years. Wow. That's a lot. Well, that congratulations. Yeah. That you. is so cool. Well, so I have a question. So since you deal with a lot of that in what you do, whenever I watch these documentaries, and I don't know about you, Tom, but I always have a little bit of a panic attack, like, holy fuck, like, how can I talk to my daughter about cults so that she doesn't get sucked into one when she's older. Cause the only kind of memory I have right before I went to college, I remember my mom warning me about like the Krish, the Krishnas. Oh, yeah, just, the Krishnas. Yeah. That's, I feel like that's really all we had or that we knew about. Um, but yeah, like, what do we tell, what, how do we talk to it about it with our kids or what do we say? Well, that's what I do. I mean, I'm so lucky that I get to work in this area so that I can naturally infuse critical thinking skills into my children, right? So first you lay like a really solid foundation so that children, you feel very comfortable talking to you, right? Uh, and then you get them to think critically and that's gonna serve them well in relationships, be they personal ones between friends or romantic relationships, relationships uh, outside of you, right? Like once they actually go to university and you no longer have that same kind of control. Kids need to learn to be able to take information and process it through their own filter and actually like assess the information and say, hmm, does that sound right to me? Or do I need to do some more research, right? We don't really have a generation of critical thinkers and that's really scary. Um, so I think parents can do a lot at home just to help their own children learn to develop that kind of skill. Well, I think uh, the, the higher Christians, they seem like the best cult. The least of all the cults, right? The Are they the least cultiest? Not a, they're not like a sex cult or a, you know. Uh, they're not like the David Koresh or the Marilyn Man or uh, that, not, yeah. not Marilyn Manson. Who was that guy? I always get them confused. Um, oh, um, oh my God, Charlie. You know yeah, there you go. <laughs> the Kool-Aid guy. Yeah. The Kool-Aid guy. Yeah, that, uh, but I do feel like watching these. I, I see these. Uh, the one I watched this, the finished up was uh, uh, I watched this thing, Twin Flames, which uh, 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 Monica had recommended, which is sort of a, uh, I mean, you can just see it's bad news where the guy, it's a couple, the guy is obviously gay and it's about convincing other people. And his wife, by the way, gained like 100 pounds during the, as did a lot of the women followers, but he's, he, he wants to tell people what their sexuality is. You're male, oh. doctor, you're female, and then make them get together with people they do not want to get together with. And he had a lot of, they have a lot of success. They're probably still doing it. I and, mean, uh, and then the one that finished up last night was uh, Love One. Was that Love one? has won the oh. mother God. And, and as a parent, man, you can see this coming. You know, there the, the, the surprising part is there are a couple, several women who are still totally all in after mother God uh, died of alcohol abuse uh at, and poisoning herself with silver but you look in their eyes they, they do talk a lot about the mothers what are the mothers doing about this what are, and they have these incredibly brave mothers that will track down the cults or try to figure it out i think that it'd be a good thing to figure that out early you know early. <laughs> before your child joins the cult yeah but i but i think it like harkens back to what what like the work that I do, people are always like, well, how do you, how can you spot red flags in a relationship, right? Uh, how can you avoid those kind of relationships? And I think like cult leaders, just like abusers 
uh, it's slow, right? It's slow indoctrination, slow, methodical. It's not all of a sudden you go from being super nice to horrible. It's slow erosion of your own personal boundaries, right? So also teaching children, you know, that it's okay to say no, that it's okay. And always trust your gut. I always tell my clients, always trust your gut. Your gut never lies. Other people will, but your gut is always the signal that this is not right. Take your time. Like rush into things. I think these cult leaders, I think from what I could tell, you know, the power, I think they evolve. They're like, well, I'm going to do this. My purpose is good. And they're like, well, we should make it a religion so I don't have to pay taxes. What You know, it's always a scam. And then it's like they believe they're Jesus or whatever, which is bananas. And I think a good rule of thumb is any human being <laughs> that believes they're at the top of any religion, particularly men, it's it's headed for trouble. Any, any organization that doesn't have women in the... Uh, top, top management is going to fail. I mean, and you just know, okay, something horrible is going to happen here. You know, that, you know, Canada right now, they got a big thing with a QAnon queen up there, and she moved to a small town in Canada, and the people are very upset. I mean, watching all the news reports where she took over a abandoned school, and and the people, the local people, you know, the 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 average person is like, what the fuck is going on? They're pro, you know, but yeah. there are you, you know, you do have to deal with that. And like you said, what is your title, by the way? What do you, how do you, uh, as a therapist? Yes, tell us what you do. <laughs> I am a high conflict divorce coach. So I help men and women leave abusers, specifically of the narcissistic variety. That's my job. Where have you been? <laughs> I know, where were you for Tom <laughs> years, years ago? Do you know how often I hear that? How often, and that's the beauty of social media though, right? Is uh, it's so easy now to, at the click of a finger, start to consume information and lots of people, it's like a slow process to actually learn, hey, this sounds a lot like my spouse. Mm -hmm. Uh, And oftentimes there's like a delayed reaction after they actually leave, they start to realize, you know what? That wasn't normal. Um, And that's more than just a little bit of control. There's like serious abuse and abuse is such a, as society, we assume that abuse is like yelling and screaming and name calling, possibly, you know, throwing objects, maybe like like a fist. Uh, but the kind of people that I deal with are really covert. So they're really not obvious to see, but it's a gradual, uh, strategic erosion of a person's autonomy. And that's what I deal with. And do you, from personal experience, I mean, did you have to kind of free yourself from your own abusive relationship <laughs> and then come to this? For your profession? Uh, so I was partnered from 14 to 39. So I did 25 years. Um, yeah. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I came from a really good family. Like my parents are amazing parents. My dad's a psychologist. My mom's a school teacher. My dad's a Buddhist. My mom's a Catholic. They still hold hands. I didn't understand that people who came from good families could fall for this kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but my problem is that I'm a lover. And I just want to love everybody and I want to help everybody and I want to fix people. Right. Uh, so, and I was young, I was 14. You just don't know better. Yeah. Um, so yeah, from my own experience, I was like, there is a need for this, right? People typically leave a relationship, not prepared. Uh, and then they hire the wrong lawyer and a narcissist will prolong, they'll delay They're irrational. Right. So when they feel like they're losing power and control over you, they will up the ante, even if it costs them more money and time simply because it's sport for them. Um, I'm going to share my situation. It's been seven years 
a court, uh, for custody court, this and that. And at one point we were talking, we had an attorney on and I said, well, I had a, I have a high conflict divorce custody thing going. He goes, no, no, when it's only one person, when it's only one person that calls the cops and then they get taken out of the house again and again, or keeps filing frivolous stuff in court, it's not a high conflict. It is, it is, what did he call it again? Well, it's legal. Abuse. Uh, it's, um, litigation. Litigation. yeah. And then, it's, uh, uh, path wait, say that term again. It's vexatious litigation. Vexatious litigation. Write it down, Tom. After the video. Right. Well, and the, and it was funny because the lawyer we were speaking with made a really great point. He said, you know, the drug court system in the U.S. is really good and has all these programs. But when it comes to the family courts, we're way behind. How do you feel like the family courts are in Canada? It's a worldwide issue. The family court system really enables, empowers, and emboldens abusers across the board, especially if you have money. Um, it really, they, you go into court and you see two people, right? And a judge is completely, they have no idea who was the conflict person. And if you're dealing with a person who's more covert, it's really hard to see. Uh, and judges just don't have the knowledge. They just don't have the care. They have short amounts of time to listen. Um, so if you don't have the right lawyer, if you don't have the right strategy, if you don't have the right team and you have a very uh, vocal, charismatic, uh, engaging ex, uh, you're shit out of luck um, because the system buys into their narrative, right? And their narrative is, I'm a victim, they're the abuser. Uh, and we call that DARVO, uh, which is you deny an allegation, um, then you argue the allegation, and then you reverse the victim and offender. So if you're the victim suddenly in court you're now the offender and it's really hard to paint yourself out of that corner well i will say this family law uh, uh, many judges that i have been before here i think first of all i've never lost Good I, job. I, and i say i've never lost it but i have to keep going to court so it lose you lose all your money you lose but and then it's you stressful. look over yeah it's very stressful to, to prepare the amount of stuff yeah. We're, we're ready to go here. We have all the videos, uh, the court documents ready to go next time. And uh, but I think they're they're more big concern is wow, this is bad for the kids. This fighting, this hostility. Uh, let's let's uh, keep the you know why don't you guys uh, figure this out? But I think eventually, what happens in my case is you get a body of work by by the other person. You get. And that so, and then the next time we go, we go into court, I just, I just know she, you know, she will. That I I present that body of work, which is I have your never patterns of behavior. That's how you yeah. prove it's your pattern yeah. of behavior, right? And but, our yeah. judges typically, I feel like we heard they're not, nor do they have the time, or they say they don't to read that build up file of all of the things, you know, that have happened leading up to this point. And that's the problem. Yeah. yeah. So like when you present your, your body of work, your pattern of behavior, as I call it, it has to be succinct, right? It has to hit like the main points. It can't be everything, right? Uh, I know some people who have that like 10,000 pages of documents, right? There's no judge who's going to like sit yeah. through that, right? So you have to be strategic about what you show. The first instance, the most recent instance and about 20 in between, and you make it like bullet point, right? It has to be easy to read, has to be 
easy to like say, oh, you know what? It's not just a one-off where they did this, but there's a pattern, right? Without saying my spouse is abusive, you can show that they're abusive in their communication, in their interactions with you and how they use children. And this is the sad part is that a narcissistic abuser will use their children to hurt the other parent. Nothing's off the table. What's so terrible about legal abuse, AKA vexatious litigation, is that it's constantly on the back of your mind. So even if you're living your best life right now, you know that at any moment, the shoe could drop, right? At any moment, if she's a little bit bored, if she needs a little spice in her life, because whatever was, you know, keeping her entertained is no longer there, that she's going to follow suit with something else, right? And even if you are 100% in the right and you know that you're in the right, you still then have to switch on that war mentality, right? Like you're going to war, you're going to court. Court is adversarial by nature, right? It's not, you don't go there to hold hands and sing kumbaya, you go there to win. It's right. you against them. Um, so then you have to turn on that kind of now my whole perspective is going to be to prove my case. That's stressful. It doesn't matter if you have money. It doesn't matter if you have all the right documents, the right team. It's still stress. And it's time wasted that you could be doing other things like spending time with your children, working out, hiking, cooking, baking, whatever it is that floats your boat. Right. Um, and that's why it's brutal. And the fact that it is prolonged, it's a giant red flag. Yeah, I also my sister, my sister's a younger woman who used to want to have kids until she started working with us like four years ago. <laughs> but, uh, I will say it's, it's great to have another pair of eyes, you know, and another opinion of what all this stuff is going down. And she's actually uh, pretended to be my, when I had to represent myself because I was out of money, she was, she went and got a little suit at TJ Maxx or whatever and pretended she was my legal assistant or whatever. <laughs> but she'll say, I'll say, you know, it's been quiet for a little bit uh, from the ex. And she goes, and how does that make you feel? But she, I, I go, that sounds good. And then she go, oh, no, something's going to happen. Yeah, and right? It, uh, it, it does. Yeah, I, yeah. You know, I, it's I the quiet that, before the storm. It, yeah. And what's the pattern, Tom? Is it like a period, like every 28 days? <laughs> I wish it was that. I wish it was that. But it's, uh, so you've got to, when you go back and, and look at what, what do you think is the impetus to this behavior? Like, I know in March of this next year, I, uh, I stopped paying alimony. So I uh, I assume she's going to try to do something so she'll get more child. Absolutely, she will, Tom. Oh, my right. God. What's an example of that? Like, how would someone be like, oh, I, you know. There's so many. They have so many tools and tactics. And this is what's so interesting about this type of personality, right? Uh, she could, you know, threats, threats. I'm going to tell the kids that you're doing this, right? She could use the kids. Oh, you know, daddy doesn't pay me anymore because he doesn't love you, right? Like there's so many, and they don't even have to say it so overtly. They can be really covert, right? Like just like a little bit here and a little bit there. And all of a sudden the kids are like, well, daddy's not a good person. Like he doesn't want to take care of us, right? Uh, and this is like, they, they, they purposely and intentionally turn children against protective, healthy parents. They, and they and they truly cannot put anyone before themselves. And that's what's really yeah. hard for people to understand. I want my kids to be healthy and happy. I don't care about anything else, right? That's like my number one concern always in every single case. My kids are happy and healthy. I don't care if I have to suffer. I don't care if I have to suck my ego in. I don't care if I have to sleep over at my ex-husband's house with his mistress so that my kids feel comfortable, you know, getting like truthfully, right? Like let's, I, I will do that if that makes my kids feel comfortable, right? We put yeah. our own needs at the back burner so our kids thrive. Well, I think 
people, they will say those words. Yes. I just care about our kids are love and light. And all I care about is their happiness. And I will always defend them. Like, <laughs> and, you know, which, hey, on paper, you read that. Oh, that sounds good. And again, I look at my own behavior. What was it about me that said, okay, that's a person I want to uh, marry, spend the rest of my life with. And, and you know, you work out, go, okay, what was wrong with me then? Mm -hmm. I mean, the, the result, you know, we ha have these two beautiful kids. So that doesn't, the money doesn't matter because I don't have any money. I haven't had a date in six and a half years. But what was it about me that made that decision? And, you know, that's been helpful too, working on my myself, you know? Yeah. Well, what I have found is that this type of personality finds really good people. Uh, and by that, I mean, typically they're like, they're kind people, they're loyal people, right? They're determined, they're hardworking, they're generous, they're, they, they, they trust. Um, and so those people are the kind of people who will keep coming back to the table, right? Like you knock them down, you do something wrong and, the, and you say, I'm sorry. Uh, and you don't follow it up with change behavior. That's big red flag. Uh, but they come back, right? And they're like, you know what? I made a commitment. I'm going to see this through. I'm going to keep trying, right? If I try X, Y, and Z, maybe this will work this time. Um, they don't pick losers. They pick winners. Uh, but typically what? what that is too is like an erosion of your boundaries, which is methodical, right? And it's slow. It's insidious. They don't do it overnight, but they'll test you, right? Like what can, like what will he or she put up with, right? And then they'll test your boundary and you let it slide because you're a kind person. It's not really a big deal for you. And then they'll keep doing that. Some boundaries. People have to be boundary. And you do help people sort of, I guess, attempt to plan out, you know, how they're going to part ways. And I oh, find I only work with people now because I was working with clients at all stages. Uh, and I'm a really empathetic person. So I was hearing horrible cases. You know, they'd hired the wrong lawyers, they'd gone to court, they'd lost their kids. There's mm -hmm. only so much that I can do to clean up other people's messes, the experts, not the victims. Right. Um, so I created a program. So it's 16 weeks and it's literally to empower people. So they know exactly what to expect once they start the process, right? So I teach them how to secure their technology, uh, secure their assets and their accounts to have the talk with their spouse, to learn to communicate effectively. So there's no longer the, the circular conversations, how to document, right? How to document for court, um, how to create an airtight parenting plan. Um, how to go to court, how to go to mediation. And then how the most important piece is like four weeks is how to protect your kids. Once everything is done, how to protect your kids. Cause this type of personality will keep going after the kids. Once they have your money, once the ink is dry in your divorce papers, they'll, they'll start working on your children. Uh, and I see that, right? Like I see like the effects of what that, like what that looks like. And you do, uh, Dad, you do the, it's how long is your course again? 16 weeks. So every week I, I, connect with a certain client for an hour and they have unlimited access to me during the work week. Uh, so like if they have to like troubleshoot stuff, I'm there in real time. I find that people feel really isolated, really lonely. Nobody understands, right? It's really hard to explain how a parent could do this to their children. I'm there in real time. Like if they have an issue, I'm there. Um, and that goes for four months, so 16 weeks. And then there's three, three months of post program uh, coaching so they can check in with me every week if there's an issue I can help them now do you say what that costs or do you just talk to people individually uh it is forty five hundred dollars 
That's amazing because it's so hard. You know, Tom and I talk about this all the time. You know, people don't always know what you're going through. I was the first of my friends to get a divorce, you know, with a child. And, you know, I was going to therapy, but, you know, sometimes you need something more strategic. You need somebody who's been through it. And, um, you know, you, it's hard to reach out to your friends sometimes too, because I, you know, some of us want to burden them too, right? Yeah. You don't want to burn out or burden them. And there's something sometimes that feels yucky with inside when you feel like you've dumped a lot of your problems or emotions on yes. someone you're close with. And so it's better to maybe have sort of a, like a fresh set of eyes. Like you said, mm-hmm. just, I am, I can see the forest for the trees, right? I'm the different perspective. And I, and I, and I know it's like a playbook. It's, and that's, what's so fascinating about this personality type is they all play by the same playbook. Uh, and there's different varieties on the narcissist and the sociopath, um, but they typically all f- follow the same rule book from start to finish, right? Um, and so that's my job. It's like, my job is to empower people with knowledge so that they go in knowing what to expect. There's nothing worse than going in thinking that leaving is the easiest part and then realizing that once you're like gone, shit really gets real, right? Because they've lost power and control over you. A narcissist's worst fear are abandonment and exposure. Even if they cheat on you, even if they leave you, you moving on is their worst fear. It's abandonment for them, right? Uh, And so they will grasp at anything to keep you engaged with them. They're like a toddler. They don't care what kind of attention they get so long as they get attention. Obviously, they'd prefer it if you adored them uh, and thought that they were like a god or a goddess, but that ship has sailed by the time you leave. Uh, And so they just want you focused on them, right? Going back to court all the time, that's you having to focus back on them, right? Um, Which is why it's so unfortunate that the court system doesn't see this and doesn't put a stop to it. Um, And what are you, are you seeing any, I mean, do you have more women clients than men? Do you have a good mixed bag? Well, I started off only helping women. um, And I did that for personal reasons. I didn't want to take men when they're vulnerable um, and then possibly have like more um, like emotions coming my way because I'm a female. Right. And then I was like, fuck that noise. There's men out there. And it's really hard. It's, it's, It's hard for both. But it's really hard, I think, for men, because men stereotypically are not allowed to talk about emotions. They don't talk to their friends about what's going on behind the scenes. Women typically talk. Right. And you connect the thoughts by by talking to your peers. Men typically like how you're doing. Great even though like you're dealing with World War III in your home, right? Um, And so I was like, you know what? There is a need for men to also have this unbiased expert help. And so right now I'm like 50-50. And it is hard for a man to go, okay, this is, because nobody, no other man wants to talk to you about this. I will tell you that. You don't want to burden your your women friends. What you find is your circle gets very, very small. Small, because you're like, got your fight or flight thing. Like I got to focus on these kids I gotta uh you, you know that's what and so it's good to have someone to talk to first of all Monica when she was sharing I was like I know this is stereotypical but I'm like she does not we met at the school parking lot by the way Monica and I, she does not look like a woman that has had any troubles like yeah she everything's got perfect for her I can tell she is a good mom but I really appreciate when she has stuff to say because I'm like okay it's not it's not Well, here's the thing, right, is by being vulnerable, not only is it therapeutic for yourself, right, like when your vulnerability is met with concern, like genuine concern from another human, uh, but also by being vulnerable and talking about your own experience, you truly do help other people. That's why I have the platform that I have, right, is because 
life right now, especially is really isolating. If you're going through a divorce, that's a whole other brand of isolation. If you're going through a high conflict divorce, that's a whole other category, right? And like you said, Tom, your world just gets smaller. How do you explain this to people? How do you explain what you're dealing with behind the scene? Nobody understands. They think that maybe you're a little bit crazy. Maybe you're like a little bit difficult yourself. People think it takes two to tango. It just takes one. It takes one. Or you're like, oh, everyone's going to think I'm a hot mess. Right. Yeah. With your platform and the work you do with people, do you ever suggest or leave it open for other clients that you have to like reach out to each other or if Um, they want right now, but I, so my Instagram page is a really great community. People are really helpful there. The divorce hub. Yeah, the divorce up with underscores, but people tend to help themselves and they help other people. So like if I have a post that really resonates, people will comment and people will comment back to the other people saying, I've been there, I've done that. If they connect behind the scenes, that's great. I'm I'm always a little bit like apprehensive. There are predators out there, right? And they're looking at pages like this, like even like in support groups, be careful. Um, because there are predators who literally disguise themselves as, as victims and pretend that's how they get you. Right. Like, Oh, we're so similar. Look at us. Like we're mirrors. Um, misery loves company. Yes. Right. Um, so your job sounds like a nightmare. (laughs) 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 Like you to work with, uh, drug addicts, alcoholics. I, but I'm in recovery, but I'm like, they're saints, man. Because with drug addicts, I speak for experience, with drug addicts and alcoholics are in, in their shit, it, we're the worst lying people, you know, there are. And for you to do, to deal, to, to take all that conflict and then help them sort, I'm sure the reward is helping them sort things out. You know, that's got to be very satisfying, but it's a lot on you. Yeah. And How do you kind of decompress from... Um, I'm really boundaried. So I only work, like, I, I don't give DM advice. I, I just can't. Like, I would want to, but mm-hmm. some of the stuff. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. That I, hear, I can't unsee some of the things that I've seen. Mm. Uh, just yesterday ended my day with a client and partway through her like she's just such an amazing human being who's had nothing but trauma from the moment she was born all the way through to adulthood right and I just got teary and when I was done with the call I just I cried right I was like that's how I actually deal with it right because your body again crying is like this bad thing crying is great crying is how your body re-regulates when it's feeling dysregulated right so I just allowed myself to cry and I processed and then I journaled and I thought you know what I'm here to help her in the best capacity that I possibly can 
Um, and so that makes me feel great, but you're right. I mean, that's also why I created this program is to help people avoid the, so like the issues that I see coming down the pipeline, right? Because when you've come to me and you've lost your kids because your abuser is really good in court and they've hired the right team, uh, that's heartbreaking for me, right? Like literally I take that in, I absorb that. And I'm just like, I wish that I could fix you. I wish that I could fix you. First of all, I didn't know you existed. I don't know that this. You know, that's something I'm learning from this podcast is the, there are people who can help you. And this is their title. It's not they specialize in what's going on with you. That I think that is so. And I'm sure people on the outside are like, who would ever need that? Well, a lot yeah. of people. because Well, even just from this episode, you know, when I was thinking about leaving my marriage or even right when I left it, it never occurred to me to even go on social media and look up the hashtag divorce or anything. Right. I, yeah, I think it just doesn't even occur to that. There is so much help out there that people don't even know about. Yeah. yeah. The first time I heard about a divorce coach was before I even got divorced and, and it was a girlfriend. I think we're on the playground just waiting to pick up our kids. And she's like, Oh yeah. After this, I'm going to go see my divorce coach. And I go thawed. I was <laughs> like, is that how the rich get divorced? They hire coaches. Like I was like, that's ludicrous. Right. I like, I thought that was the funniest thing I'd ever heard. And here I am. <laughs> oh my gosh. Now, how long after your divorce did you get into it? Uh, well, I unofficially, about two years after I left, I unofficially started helping friends because I, I was more advanced. Yeah. Um, and then three years in, I um, took courses and I just educated myself like expertly. Like I read all the books about this type of personality. I, I watched podcasts. I listened. I, I honed in uh, both on my personal experience as well as my professional experience. And then I, I've been in operation for a year and a half. That's amazing. I think it is so important to talk about like the, the parent aspect of it too, because whatever dynamic was going on in my house obviously showed me something or ingrained some sort of misfire in me, you know, when it came to seeking out my own romantic relationships. It's weird. I, I'm really great and boundaried and have healthy uh, friendships with people, but yeah, the, the romantic relationship aspect of it was not usually a wise um, you know, it was a red flag avoiding Autobahn. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? And I think that oftentimes stems from seeing the best in people as opposed to seeing what people True. actually show you, right? Like, yeah, you know, like you're you're shown one thing, but really you should be looking at what they're truly, you know, I love you. Well, do you show me that you love me? Like, yeah, you even brought that up earlier. Uh, something about apologies, but what are their actions to back it up? Oh, yeah. If, if you apologize, this is like a really big thing, right? People apologize all the time and oftentimes they're not genuine apologies they're like I'm sorry you feel that way well that's not actually an apology right like stop being mad I'm sorry right yeah yeah um but like if you don't follow up your apology with change behavior right and it becomes a pattern where you I'm telling you the same thing keeps hurting me and you're not changing that behavior that's manipulation right um yeah well I think too what what I've heard for all these years is Something will come up and she'll say, oh, I'd like you to do this thing. And I go, well, I'm a little, we were just in court and this happened or this, you just called the cops. She goes, why do you deal, why are you into the past? Uh, why are you oh, doing that? Out of the past, that's so five minutes ago. Oh, <laughs> Tom. I also don't want to get in the back and forth. Oh, uh, but, and but you know what? That's 
actually critical. You actually have to call out bad behavior in front of your kids. My therapist said to me, Chantel, if you want your son to treat women that way, then you, you ignore it when it happens. Mm. If you want your daughter to think that that's what a man says to a woman when, you know, that's love, then you just, you don't say anything. If you want your kids to learn that that's not okay, you have to advocate, you have to speak up. It doesn't mean your parent, right? Yeah. It doesn't mean you disparage their parent, right? You don't say you're like, your mom's a horrible human being, but you look at the behavior. Kids always instinctively love their parent as defective as they might be, right? Be it a drug addict, be it an abuser. Kids, their their go-to is to love their parent unconditionally, right? And children don't stop loving their parent. They stop loving themselves, right? So it's important as the healthy, protective parent to call out bad behavior. You don't disparage the parent, you disparage the behavior. That was not okay. What your mom just did there when she yelled like that, that was not okay. How did that make you feel, right? And you validate them. You 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 know, that's how you get, it's really important in our homes to have kids talking about emotions and feelings because we deal with a lot of emotions and we put on our brave face, just like you said, Tom, right? Like you're like the happy dad, you know, who's like, whatever. It's important for kids to understand that all emotions are good, all emotions, anger, sadness, frustration, and you can have them coexisting together. You can be super stressed because life sucks right now, but still happy, right? Like you can still find those things. You can be angry and you can be sad at the same time. And to talk about emotions, have kids actually be able to name their emotions because the suppression of emotions causes a host of diseases and illnesses and ailments, right? Um, so it's important for you, for instance, Tom, like when you're putting on the brave face for your kids, that you actually release the anger at some point, right? Is it screaming into a pillow? Is it punching like something? Is it a journal machine, right? Like whatever it is, like go for a hard run up a big hill, like whatever. Yeah, it is. It, it, I do. I do that cardio hour a day, but, uh, but I also try to say, stay in the love, stay in the yeah. love, stay, you know, because Time goes by pretty fast. And if you're in that place, I, uh, many years ago, my son said something to me that really changed me. He goes, now you sound like mom. And it stopped me in my tracks because I realized your tracks, yep. I'm doing that thing. And uh, uh, I just have to, you know, I, I just, that was effective. I'm sure, you know, he's a little yep. bit, but you know, it, it, that's a good boy that got woke up Bill like, your dad and I are getting divorced. I just want you to know like great banana stuff. Like, I'm very happy with what not to people, do. When people first break up, good people, they say shitty things about each other. They do, some do shitty things. There's a brief period where, you know, passionate people. The worst can bring out the, the worst in good people. Yeah, yeah but that, but and that's forgivable, I think. If I would have called the cops and broken the house, called the cops, and they would have taken me out of the house on Christmas, <laughs> I would go, okay. That's not going to work. There's got to be another way. And yeah. then to continue doing it, I think it's part of that personality you're talking yeah. She has no control. She yeah. has, and it's always going to be like this. I One thing we do, the judge has us communicate. We're only supposed to communicate through these written Our family things. Wizard. Like, family wizard. Yeah. yeah. And one judge said to me a long time ago, something that stuck with me, don't put anything in writing that you don't want your kids to read back to you in public when they're older. And so I'm really cautious, but I also see, uh, 
you know, her trying to, if I if just engage and oh. have that. Day. Oh, yeah. Like she just points and picks and picks and picks and picks until you explode. Right. And that's called reactive abuse. Right. Like when they 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 needle you so much that then you explode. Like line by line. Yeah. Well, I always say don't ever write anything that you wouldn't feel comfortable reading in front of a judge. If yeah. you wouldn't feel comfortable reading in front of a judge, you delete that. That's the stuff that you tell your friends. That's the stuff that you journal. Uh, but everything has to be succinct. It's brief, right? It's we already it's discussed brief. at some point. There should be an app where you can write all of those horrible things you really <laughs> and want it converts to, say. It to Thank you very much. <laughs> I love um, some of the things that you posted on your Instagram page. Um, that I feel like really applies to this is um, this conversation is about putting something about putting the energy, stop putting that energy into the other person and back into yourself. Can you kind yeah. of elaborate on that? Well, I think it's so important because if you're in a relationship with this type of personality, I can guarantee without even knowing you that all of your energy has been to make them happy, right? All your energy is put into placating them at the expense of yourself and even your children, because you know that if they're not happy, nobody in the house is happy, right? Uh, and it's really hard when you're divorcing this type of personality to, to shift, right? To shift onto yourself. Uh, if you're leaving a marriage, typically you're probably at a deficit in terms of energy and care, right? People typically don't leave marriages feeling happy. Uh, it's not like, wow, I'm so excited. No, not um, on a high note. <laughs> um, so it's really important to shift your focus and your energy back onto yourself, right? To replenish what's been taken, like to fill up your cup. Then you show up better. You show up better for your children, for yourself, for your friends. You show up better in mediation, in court, because you're no longer at a deficit, you've, you've actually put all your energy back into yourself. And it feels counterintuitive, especially as a parent to put yourself first, uh, but you've not put yourself first for ages. So it's important to put yourself first. Why? Because you're the captain of your home, right? And if the captain of the ship is not well, the kids suffer, right? If you, if you pour tons of time and energy into yourself, you'll show up better, more patient, less reactive, more engaged, more able to meet your children at their level. Um, like, especially when they come back and they're dysregulated and they might feel like, you know, they might be a bit more belligerent or they bicker between each other, right? They're dysregulated. That all comes down to their nervous system is dysregulated. And then you have to show up as a regulated parent. You can't do that if you're running on fuel or on, on empty. That's okay to take care of yourself, right? That you show up as a better person, irrespective of your age or your role, you just show up better. I mean, and there's a there's a big distinction between the narcissist who's 100% selfish and everything they do is about them. And then the average person who just, we feel guilty for taking time out of our day to put the focus on ourselves, right? Our spiritual health is important, whatever that looks like, right? Even if that's just I'm like a gratitude list. Mm -hmm. I'm not into organized religion, but I, you know, I was raised Catholic. Um, and, you know, also I'm like, I'm like a, a emotional health. That's why talking about stuff and journaling and, you know, healing, healing is a journey. It's not a destination, right? It, it takes um, like a lifetime to unravel whatever happened. And trauma isn't always what happened to you. It's oftentimes what you didn't get. Right. Um, and parents, even the best of parents, they're not perfect. I'm not perfect. I'm sure I've caused issues without even knowing, trying my best. Right. And my kids will have, I mean, they've been to therapy, They'll, you know, hopefully, Later on in life, they'll go back to therapy, right? Because of like, well, you know, my mom tried her best, but, you know, um, yeah. we just try our best. Yeah, we do. And I, I'm certainly not a perfect parent. I do make mistakes or I'll say things. That's another good thing about all these cameras. There'll be a dispute <laughs> in the house. And I go, okay, kids, let's see who started it. 
but I still go, okay, it was, but I also realized pretty early on, I'm a big guy, I'm 6'2", I bet, these are, uh, these kids are, uh, my son is big, but he's not an adult, my big, yeah. and I realized that when I yelled, that is one of the, you can see it, it's, it's yep. like completely inappropriate and frightening, and that, it is a good way to go, how can I be, you know, better, uh, you know, it's funny because when it was really in the middle of this, I really cared about what she thought. And I was always like, we're on point. I would at least try to be funny, you know, on, on the text messages. But I don't do that because that, you know, yeah. she's human. Yes, we've well, learned sarcasm does not read well. Well, because they're, they're, they're truly toddlers, right? Toddlers don't get sarcasm either. This type of personality doesn't get sarcasm. They don't get anything. It's just best to say nothing how children are raised and they only need one healthy parent truthfully kids just need one healthy parent to thrive and that's why your house is the antithesis of whatever goes on in the other house you can't control that house but you control your house right in your house it's peaceful it's you know you, you communicate you engage together right you problem solve if you have an argument arguments aren't bad it's how you resolve them do you resolve them or do you just give in it's easier, we apologize right um, you apologize like parents who didn't right? Well, now yeah. with you, your children are older. So do you have any advice for us or any <laughs> ways that you can share? Cause yeah, my daughter's nine. Um, you know, when your kid, do your kids do like a week on a week off or how do you like. My daughter has very little communication with her dad. Okay. Um, and that she developed severe anxiety um, shortly after we separated. Um, and it's just, it's too, it's too hard. So she is mostly with me. She does see him. I okay. totally support her seeing him. Uh, my son uh, sees his dad whenever it works for him. Mm -hmm. um, so I think, you know, I never disparage their dad. Their dad is their dad. Um, I always focus on the good parts of their dad. Um, that's what I do. Yeah. Um, I always tell my daughter that she got the best of both yeah. of us. And that's exactly what I say. Unfortunately, not when it comes to teeth. So <laughs> I have really big white chompers. I never had a cavity, but I had a headgear retainer and braces, right? My ex-husband oh. never had orthodontia, but he had, he has so many cavities and root canals and my kids got the best of both. Oh. So like they have the braces and they have the cavities. I'm like, sorry, kids, I tried my best, you know? Yeah. I also think that, that it's so important. It, it, it can't always, it's not human to be always saying good things about yeah. your, yeah. you know, that, Truly don't it. How do Say we address nothing. the how, Yeah, that's a good. How can we address the not so great things like when your son or daughter comes to you and says, you know, eh, this about, you know, like how well, what you do is it's really important. So I learned this at a really young age by my mom. My mom is like, you know what? When a friend comes to you and they're talking smack about their parents, she didn't use that word because she's a French Catholic, but she said, <laughs> you know, if they're talking bad about their their family your job is not to join in they will get defensive it's their mom it's their dad it's their sibling your job is just to listen not be like yeah your mom's a raging bitch i can't believe you have to deal with that right it's right. to support them and to validate and i think that's the same with children especially children children love their parent especially if they're abusive they will protect that parent because innately children know that that parent is not as strong as the healthy parent right so they'll go on the defensive when anything is said about that that, that, that parent, even if it's obvious, even if they, they've come to you and said, mom yells and screams at me, right? What you do is you address the behavior. How does that make you feel? When she does that, how does that make you feel, right? And then what you do is you model 
the opposite of that in your house on a daily basis. And so right? don't so give them any advice on what to say or how to handle it. You can, depending on the personality, I, I'm like a narcissistic parent will not enjoy being told what to do, especially by their children, right? How dare you? That will escalate the behavior. Now, if you have like, I'm like a normal co-parent, right? Who is receptive to feedback, right? I don't like it when you yell at me. It makes me feel really scared, right? It really makes me feel scared. And that parent's like, I'm so sorry, Johnny. I had no idea. You know what? I'm really stressed at work, but I'm really going to try to meet you with less fire, right? And they truly try. That's different. This type of personality does not like to be told that they're imperfect, right? So it will escalate. So children might start off feeling very confident talking to this parent about that, but it never serves them well, especially if they realize that they're telling you, the healthy parent, what goes on in the other house. Then your children learn to keep secrets. They're mm -hmm. conditioned that when they come and tell mommy or daddy about what happens in their house, they get in trouble, right? And then you don't want your kids to have secrets. So you just let their, you just let them talk and you validate how that feels. And you, you ask them how it feels. How did that make them feel when that happened? Uh, and then in our house, this is how we deal with these kind of situations, right? And you can say that and then you can model it. Mm -hmm. And then children feel comfortable talking to you always. You want your kids throughout life to feel comfortable communicating with you yes. without fear of any kind of repercussion, either in your home or the other home and the other home will always have consequences, right? Either they'll be ignored, the other sibling will get more. So without even saying, how dare you tell daddy what I just did to you, they'll suddenly buy little Susie, like a, like a dollhouse, but little Johnny gets nothing, mm -hmm. right? And so they're conditioned over time to to put the, like the, Favorite. the dots together, right? right? Against each other. Yeah. But sometimes if it's, you, you ask your child, do you want me to talk to your mom or dad about this? More mm -hmm. often than not, they'll say no. Okay. But but what you do, it, it, it would have saved me a fortune, a for, billions. I spent every. Can I can I have that as a clip? Can I have that yeah. as a clip? I can just play over and over. And this is the thing, right? Is people are hesitant, right? First of all, sometimes they don't even know, and they're like, "Well, it's not that can be that bad." I'm like, "It is going to be that bad, right?" And, and yes, worse. Like, it's an investment, but it's yeah. a fraction of the cost of what it's going to cost you in time and money if you aren't prepared. People just assume that leaving the eat that the hard part. It's the easiest part. That is the most true statement. It didn't even occur to me till you said it because yeah, you think like, okay, when I finally just let the relationship go, my life is all of a sudden going to just be so easy. And then it's <laughs> like, you know, I, it's like, I threw myself off a cliff without a parachute. Yes. Yes. I am the parachute. Oh my gosh. Well, I want to know, did you, how did you sort, did you have a divorce party or, and also. Oh, I love that. So I'm a huge fan of the emancipation party and I had like a three month one. You remember I was partnered from 14 at yes. days, and I left at 39. So 25 years, I served a life sentence, right? Uh, and a lot of that was sheer unhappiness. A lot of those years, I cried myself to yeah. sleep every night. I didn't feel good about myself. I left the marriage at 39. That's like a really insecure age for a woman, right? I was like, and I said to him, I said, who's going to want this, right? Like I'm 39, I'm 30 pounds overweight. And you're smoking, by the way. Well, thank you. But I did not feel like that, right? Yeah. Uh, and I said, who's going to want this, right? Like I'm a stay-at-home mom who... I don't know how to talk. I, I, I've never flirted with the man. Like I was partnered from 14 to 39. Like, 
And then I said, fuck this noise. I want to get better so that I can do better. And I literally hit the hills. I would run in the morning. I danced. I went to clubs, not to get drunk, but just to dance. I wanted to dance yeah. and feel pretty. Uh, and, and I that's spent an super entire- therapeutic dancing. Oh, oh. I, and I still, when, I, when I'm stressed out, I turn on good music, like good music, and I dance, right? And sometimes we'll dance together. My teenage son is a little bit less into that. He's like a little bit less cool, but sometimes- <laughs> Yeah. Sometimes we can sing John Denver at the table if I'm really lucky, right? Sometimes they'll like belt it out. Uh, but yeah, I just. It's so weird. Last night, my think my daughter and I always do a show. Look up who was born on your birthday, her friend's oh. birthday, whatever, whatever. And uh, she would go through, you know, she's learning to read, uh, you know. But and it's funny how she pronounces stuff. Some I'd recognize, but there's some young people I didn't recognize. And she said, John Denver. And I said, Take me home, country roast. She's like, please stop. But it's it, uh, saying that the other day. <laughs> oh, it's such a good That's day. the music that I grew up with, right? Like Cat Stevens, Leonard Cohen, Nana Muscuri, uh, John Denver. And so my mom and dad were over this weekend and the kids made them a playlist. And so it was kind of oh. like, like a remnant. And the kids actually really liked it. I was like, this is awesome. This is like reminds me of my childhood, which was really nice. So I love that dancing was like a big part of your healing. Was there anything oh. else that comes to mind or any like, you know, trips you went on? Or- I got in shape. That was really important for me because at the end of it, I couldn't even like, there's a picture on my Instagram page. That's like the, I, there, I was in very few pictures and I was very good looking as a young person, but I didn't think I was good looking. Right. I, I really I was so insecure. I, I had no confidence. I look back now and I was like, I should have been wearing a bikini every single day of my life. I should have been wearing it to the store. I thought that I was fat. I thought that I didn't look good. And so at 39, I was like, you know what? If if if, if I'm going to date again, if I'm going to meet somebody, I don't want to feel less than. I want to mm-hmm. feel that I attract a person that I deserve, right? Uh, and so I put a lot of focus on me. And I literally just got in really great shape and that changed everything. Isn't it terrible when you look at picture yourself, like me in high school, 175, and I go, why was, why did I think I was fat then? I mean, look, why did like, I enjoy that? Yes. My hair, I yes. have <laughs> I was so insecure then. So yeah. it's the thing. I tell you, when I people, men or women, yeah, I watch, there's a lot of, we're on a flat street here, a lot of people walk dogs, people jog, and I, I think, oh, that's their first day. That's the most inspiring because they yes. are out there. They're like, because oh. it started. But the difference just. between doing nothing and just going for it, you got to yeah. say, I'm going to, I don't care. I, I just want to be better. And it's yeah. the most inspirational thing, you know? Well, yeah. I've learned too recently, like how therapeutic just taking a walk is. Like I oh. live in, similar, I live like a mile from Tom and everything's nice and flat. And just taking a walk just to, like, not even with headphones, you know, just to, look at the trees just to walk just to kind of do a quick like a 15 minute reset Mm -hmm. we did that last night so I was I I'm a really happy person typically it's very rare that I wake up cranky but yesterday I woke up and I was cranky and I was like I'm really sorry kids I'm not gonna be my best parenting self today I'm cranky and I'm just gonna embrace the crank I just need to work through this today and at the end of the day I was like you know we're gonna have dinner then we're gonna walk into our village because they've lit it up so it's all Christmassy it's gonna 
my daughter was like, do we have to? I'm so tired. We're going to do it, right? We all came back in a better mood that we decorated our Christmas tree. And I was like, that walk, that 15 minute walk was like, it was beautiful. It really changed everything. I love that. Yeah. I've been trying to start to do that with my daughter. Like, you know, we're not just going to eat dinner and then just steamroll through the night. Like let's, I mean, it's hard because it gets dark so early now, but yeah, let's just do a little bit of a, an evening stroll. Let's but I love that. I'll bribe her with we're Christmas do that. lights. Right? Yeah. <laughs> I'll bribe her with that. Oh my gosh. It's been you so. Always, have you always let your kids pick out their own clothes for school? I do now. Mine have you. Yeah, I may have to rethink it because we went to a, this Eddie Murphy Christmas movie last night. So I knew they'd love it. We saw my Christmas hard. We're Jewish. We saw my. And this is how they went to school today. I, I think I might have to. But it got them out. <laughs> I love that. <laughs> and it got them to school on time. And, uh, and, but, but that's part of my thing is like, that's okay, amazing. Well, it was a little, the drop off at school. I'm like, oh my God. Okay. But here's the thing. You know what? Kids have so little control with their life, right? Kids really, where they go to school is dictated by other people. What they eat for their meals is dictated by other people, activities, all that kind of stuff. One thing, one thing that they can have control over is what they look like, right? Let them dye their hair, let them cut their hair, let them wear three different color shoes and socks and pants that don't fit, Right. It makes me cringe a little bit. I'm like, really? You have such beautiful stuff in your closet. But if you want to wear your Jimmy Jams to school today, please, by all means, do. Yeah. So, at first, when my son, his shirts were on backwards. You know, just getting him to, so he could put on his own clothes. My daughter started young, picking. And his shirts are always on backwards. And it, me, instead of me pulling off, turn around, I realized one day, oh, that's how he wants to. No, that's his, his thing. Oh, it's like a little crisscross. He's bringing back crisscross, right? Yeah. Just signature. <laughs> Oh my gosh. He's like, who's that? <laughs> You're right. Kids have no idea. We found like a cassette tape on our walk one day. And my daughter's like, oh, look at this. She was talking to her friend. This is a video. You you can watch things on this. I'm like, that's actually a, a, like a tape. It's a cassette. You listen to music on that. <laughs> you obviously never had to make a mixtape where you listen to the radio and press play and record. <laughs> How can we, you know, promote your program? Is there anything that you want to tell our listeners? Um, and we'll put it in the show notes. It's at the T-H-E underscore divorce underscore hub. It's a divorce capitalizer. Do you have to do that? I think it's no, all lowercase. The hub is H-U-B. Divorce is not the end of your life. It's the beginning of a new life and a new chapter, truthfully. Yeah. I feel like I just got an hour of excellent free there. You got free advice, yeah. <laughs> I'm so you're very cute too. I mean, what you're feeling? Right, fun. she's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. So yes, if you're listening, well, thank you. I wish you were there at 39. Well, I looked at myself and I was like, I just look at my Instagram page. There's the before picture, and there's I, I I look so sad. I look sad. Like there's I'm like my eyes are dead. Well, thank you for sharing that because a lot of people don't share the not so great moments on Instagram. So thanks for being vulnerable and doing that. And thank you for spending your hour today with us. It was so much fun. Thank you guys. Made it. It was just like I was talking with two old friends. I even have my cup of tea. I'm an old lady Yay. now. <laughs> so well, nice to meet again. you. Thank you again. I'll never forget you. My absolute pleasure.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.